0: Welcome to the Making Jobs Podcast, where we talk about car repair, business ownership, and everything in between. I'm your host, Matt Hernandez, founder and owner of Matt's Mobile Mechanics. And I'm your co-host, Tyler Schultz, with witness security. So without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hey, all you cool cats and job makers out there. How's that? How's that for an intro? <laughs> that
1: was pretty funny. It's a
0: good one. Um, so, it's actually also it kind of feels weird recording my podcast at my office again. I think this is the first one in a while. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I guess. We got yours
0: yeah. recorded a couple times back here in my office. I like it better. My chair's more comfortable for sure.
1: Hey, my uh, wife just set the alarm on. no oh yeah,
0: well, that's good. right off the bat. we already have interruptions so that reminds me I'm gonna turn my phone on silent <laughs> uh so uh a couple of things, one of which uh right off the top, I want to do an update real quick on the e i d l for anyone who's wandering about the sba so we did it i did update a little bit last week on the payroll protection plan you guys got it i never applied for one because i that that payroll protection plan is just not going to work out well for my business um i'm a low overhead business and you add in a two-year loan term something like that like I, it's i don't need any funding bad enough to end up adding that much overhead to my business you guys, on the other hand, <clears throat> um, it'll make financial sense
1: for you, you know? Yeah. It's an easy choice. I'm going to have a call coming in here any second now. You're going
0: to have a call coming in. Your alarm got set off. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Okay. All right. Unless she got it shut off fast enough. Yeah. And I highly doubt that.
0: Well, so,
1: <clears throat>
0: and if that's the case, man, i got to get those cough buttons. Keith, where you at? Okay. Um <laughs> so, uh, so, payroll protection plan, um, that naturally, it makes sense that we're seeing businesses funded from it um, because it's being handled by banks. And banks, though it's not like, to a bank, it's not like a giant money-making ordeal. Right, because they get one percent interest, which they did throw. You know, initially, the initial idea of the payroll protection plan was is the the terms were going to be half percent interest. Banks threw a little bit of a fit about that, and so they bumped it up to one percent interest. Ah, there we go. Uh, bumped it up to one percent interest, which is still they're not they're not going to be making a ton of money on. They will be making money though um because you think you know 1% interest doesn't seem very but but also it's low risk for them cuz it's backed by the SBA so right. if, if people you know if people aren't paying back the loan they get the money one way or another right not only that but with a good portion of that loan being able to be forgiven by the federal government,
1: there's a good chance that banks are just right off the bat, even if people Well the it, banks also a lot of banks they got the loan too. Yeah. So they they made money that way as well. Yeah. Plus they were able to keep their employees and, and going. This is, this is what I said. I don't know if
0: I've said it on air before, but I said what they sh- what they should have done is they the SBA should have had the EIDL being handled by banks as well. Should have just been funded by the SBA or fund- funded federally and then you know should have just been a federal loan program much like cuz it's not like it's not a foreign concept for banks to handle <clears throat> federal funded uh, loan programs right most mortgages are federal loan programs most of the commonly used mortgages like your FHA mortgage Fannie Mae um, the uh, VA loans those are all federal backed uh, loan programs now the the banks are funding them however you know like for instance on a VA loan uh, on a veterans loan if the if the if the veteran fails to make the payments back, the bank gets a big chunk of change back on that mortgage paid for by the federal government. So they're they're lower risk loans for them. And in this case, it is 100% backed by the SBA. So the bank literally has zero risk in this instance. They're just writing up paperwork. They're not even funding it. It's being funded by the SBA. And then it's 100% backed by the SBA, as far as I understand, they, they, I think that they're not funding. I think it's funded federally, um, right. but I do know for sure it's a hundred percent backed. So even if the banks are having to chip in their own money at it, there it's a zero risk loan on their on their case. So yes, one percent interest, not a not a huge reward, but also no risk. So, so it made sense that that uh, went a little bit more smoothly than the EIDL. Not to say that the payroll protection plan went as you know super smooth because there was a lot of confusion because it's a, it is a new loan kind of conjured up out of thin air. And so there were a lot of questions for banks on, you know, guidelines on how they're going to proceed with it. So there was a little bit of a hiccup at the beginning because there, you know, a lot of banks jumped on it and said, Hey, everyone come get loans from us. Uh, Even though we can't even process these applications yet, and then later they were like, oh, but um, we're waiting on guidelines, guidance from the, you know, federal government because we don't know what's going on type of a deal. Sure. Um, But once that got kind of sorted out, banks uh, took it, ran with it, and got them all funded and taken care of, and it was kind of went off without a, a second hitch, if you will the eidl on the other hand my friends is handled uh, 100% by the sba and all you cool cats and job makers out there know that the sba if you've listened to me at all and i've known this for a long time that they are pretty <clears throat> inefficient well, administration government. yeah it's federal federal administration and any any federal government entity you can pretty well guess is going to be probably in, there's a
1: good high possibility <laughs> that Pelosi somehow has a hand in that seeing she hasn't done anything in the 30 years she's been in yeah. office.
0: Well, here's the here's here's the deal. You get a bureaucratic thing going on and, and and the SBA is not used to handling a large number of applications anyways. They've the the closest thing that they would have come to is like when we have large disasters like hurricanes in, you know, and it's regional. And even at that, they are very, whenever those, when the things like that occurred, like Katrina or hurricanes down in Texas or whatever, when these localized regional disasters occurred, they still saw huge lags in getting businesses funded because they're just not good at handling things at large scale, which is hilarious because they're a federal agency. They should be able to handle things at a national level. Should be. Should be able to manage that. Um, so we knew, in fact, a long, you know, long time ago. It seems like it seems like ages ago that I was having this conversation um, on here, saying, you know, if you, even if you think you may need it, go ahead and apply because it will take a long. It's going to take much longer than the three days that the CARES Act was saying. There, if you think you need it, go ahead and apply. Get that application in there because it will take a while. So, <clears throat> let's see. I. Um, applied for the EIDL the first time I think like March 27th or something and then whenever the new streamlined application came up like uh, the next week or a few days later on like the 30th if I remember correctly I reapplied and I was a really early applicant my application number is 46,000 some odd you know so I was early applicant so we are
1: talking um, I'm thinking our our number was 103,000 for some reason
0: Have you heard back from the EIDL yet?
1: Actually, we did. You did. I got an email this past weekend. Because
0: I have. And
1: I'm about to get into that. And we've
0: got a few different sample size numbers here. Because I'm like 46,000. You guys are like 100-something thousand because you applied a few hours after me. And my brother was 300-something thousand. Or around 300,000.
1: Yeah, my... uh... My SBA application application number is three billion. No, it's not. The three three at the beginning,
0: so all of the zeros, they all start with three three something, and then okay. zero 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 zero
1: zero. So in that case, it's six hundred eighty three thousand.
0: Okay, so you're six hundred eighty three thousand, and have you had have you heard an approval or or rejection response yet? Yeah,
1: it's just a portal number. <clears throat>
0: Oh no no no! That's uh, that's good. Um, have you guys done that? Have you guys done that? Oh, let me throw your phone on the ground. I think we created the account, but uh, other than that, I don't think okay. It's- um, no, this is good because you create your account, and then you'll the um, whenever you do. So let's uh let me back up a little bit in here. There's your phone back. We're just tossing around this twelve hundred dollar football. Yep. So so I last week got an email or well a couple of weeks ago got an email saying they're processing it in the order it was received. Um a full month after and you said you said I call bull <clears throat> on that. Well, I think they were. Uh, I think that it's just taken them that long to get to number 46,000, but I think they've sped up their process somehow because they went from me getting that email to about a week later, I got that similar email um, and the email was, uh, here. they gave me a link to create a portal to the account so I can provide any additional documentation, verify my information and accept a loan amount. Um, they gave me a loan amount, and so now it's in the final stages of getting approved, and then who knows how long after that for funding, and the advance, the advance is still, you know, not been seen, and, you know, who knows how that's going to go, but my point is, they clearly have sped things up a little bit, because they went from processing mine at 46000 to then my brother got a rejection letter, because his credit's garbage, um, <clears throat> he's, he's uh, well. And my credit's not phenomenal, so um, they must have, I don't know where their decision-making is, and, and I'm kind of torn on this idea of whether or not they should, should be looking at credit for these, these economic injury disaster loans. On one hand, I'm like, it's, it's taxpayers' money if, if, if the applicant doesn't pay it back. Um, that, that I, you know, we have to, so we kind of, you know, want some sort of standards, I guess. And well, I mean, like
1: <clears throat> in your brother's case with the, uh, really bad credit, mm-hmm. that's probably a, probably a good thing to just go ahead and mix that one.
0: Well, and also
1: really bad credit
0: also in his case. And I, and I've told, I told him this, I said in his case, he doesn't have. He's not a. He's a very very small business because he's a sole proprietorship. It's just him. He's, he's Uber. He's an Uber driver, so he doesn't. So By it's the not. Way,
1: I'd get to drive Uber this past weekend.
0: <clears throat> oh, that's exciting.
1: That was great.
0: <laughs> so in his case, uh, you know what I say is. You know, it, it, and there's, there's plenty of other Uber drivers out there. That's their main source of income. Yeah, it'd be nice to have some sort of a... But, but your operating expenses aren't so, you know, aren't so that like when, you're, when your business has ceased to operate for a month or whatever, it's not like you have um, a storefront that you've got to keep up. Right. You don't have employees that you either got to keep on payroll or you got to send them home type of a deal. It's just you. Yeah, and it sucks, but that's, that's where unemployment fills that gap because they've opened up unemployment to independent contractors, and that can really make a big difference. And my brother said, you know, he did say, well, I've got, you know, a car payment that's a business expense, and I was like, yes and no, because here's the deal. It's, you would have had a car and probably a car payment with or without driving Uber, And then he mentioned something about rent. Like, well, you would have had that anyway. Everyone has rent. Everyone has rent or a mortgage, whether you're a business owner or not. Um, Just about like 90-something percent of Americans pay rent or pay a mortgage. With the exception of, you know, the people who have have a house that's paid off or they live at home with their parents, you know. Right. So, and and whenever you talk about like rent or mortgage expenses on a business side of things, that means offices, shops, things like that. It's like my office rent, your office rent. Um, If you, when you guys buy your facility, the mortgage that you have on that facility is your, you know, is your business expense, not your house per se. Right. So, so, you know, if he were a barbershop though, I would be, you know, it would be kind of another story because maybe he runs a successful barbershop maybe someone runs a successful barbershop but they don't have great credit there should there should be a way to look at your business profit losses over the last several years to prove that look this business as a business does well just personally in the past had bad you know finance decisions or something like that and yeah in the past maybe this person didn't have great fun. Cause a lot of people get into being self-employed because they are, they have fallen on hard economic times. They lose a job or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I mean, that was kind of the push for me. I got out of the military and um, I had always had an entrepreneurial spirit and wanted to start a business. And when I got out of the military, um, you know, it it just it it, you know not having the job not having that really what what it was is not having the insurance that I was supposed to have uh, for six months after getting out that hurt me bad financially because we were paying for prescriptions for my second son his prescription medications like cost us like three thousand bucks a month um, in prescriptions so it, it got expensive quick and so I was like you know, I need to, you know, I, you know, I was in a position where it's like, I need to, you know, make more money and, you know, you can't just find a job just randomly that all of a sudden is making good money. Anyhow, that's kind of my push. And a lot of people are in that, you know, a similar situation when they start businesses. Um, it's not always, oh, I've got a great job and I'm, and I'm, you know, start to, a lot of the times people are, starting a business because they don't have a great job <clears throat> right? Um, or things are financially tough because they lost a good job or something like that. And, they, and then they say, well, I'm just going to, you know, that's their, that's their final push. Some, so a so, lot of
1: people uh, do it because they're like, well, I can, I can do this, uh, whatever industry they're in. Um, in. In my industry, not so much, uh, mm-hmm. but they, they, they could be in it Okay, so let's take uh, paint, auto body yeah. uh, guys. They'll be like doing it on the side in their garage. And they're like, man, I could, I could make more. Make more money. Rather than going in and working for Joe Schmo, yeah. I could work for my sm- myself and make twice as much as I'm making here. <clears throat> yeah. But what they don't take into account is the, There's... the company that they're working for is taking all the risk. A lot of risk. And that's why and, you why as an entrepreneur you do make more if you are taking all the risk. Yeah. What what kinda when it pays out, it pays up. out. Oh yeah. What cracks me up whenever I'm on jobs and I hear the uh employees kinda talking about, hey, let's go let's go start our own. And, yeah. And I kinda I, It's a lot of when work. When I when I hear this, I kinda <clears throat> laugh to myself because what they aren't taking into consideration is all the risk of are you going to have a job next week? Yeah. Um, are you going to have that's um, the are are you marketed well enough? Yeah.
0: That's the fun thing about being self-employed is because you know your employees maybe you know may have a job but you may not have the job. You know, it's like it's like you're constantly you're constantly in a searching a, for that job, in a search for a job more or less. I mean, there gets to a point where you're established enough to where you know, things are a little bit more smooth, but, but the point is, is my point is is that there's a couple scenarios where business owners may be successful business owners, very well with their, very good with their finances, but have bad credit because either A, they started their business under economic duress in the first place, or yeah. B, they were doing fine financially and their credit was good, but when they started their business, they hopped out on a limb, took a lot of risks and had to get credit cards and all this stuff to finance the first couple months of the business or even first year of the business.
1: This side's really buzzing every time we talk.
0: What if I do this number? How about that?
1: Sounds a lot better. Okay. It's driving me (laughs) nuts for a minute.
0: So. Um, so they, so my point is, is that you could have a successful business that's been running for three years, five years or whatever, but you look at their personal credit and they've got, they've got,
1: uh, they've they've got credit was shot for the longest time. Yeah. We had an Amex card. Um, actually I think you were with us when we uh, were using that Amex card all the time. Yeah. And we'd racked it up to like $20,000 Yeah, and it was to a point where Keith, He's sitting there going, crap, man. Am I ever going to get out of this hole? And yeah. um, now, because Liet is running things uh, in the office, mm-hmm. he's we're actually paying that credit card off. And uh, we're actually now, it's it's for the most part paid off. And we add stuff to it and pay it off every month. So the yeah. Keith's, <clears throat> Keith's credit went from being a low 600 mm-hmm. to a really high 7 I think it's 760 yeah and, and that's then my credit card that's or an, my credit another thing too took a serious hit
0: well that's another thing too about the SBA looking at personal credit to make decisions on these economic injury disaster loans is a, a business owner may have great credit one month and then the next month not Yeah. Because you may have like a a big camera install for you guys, you know, you put the cameras on the credit card and it's going to get paid off. But on this billing cycle, you're, it looks like you've got, you're using 90% of your available credit because you've got, you know, fifteen sixteen thousand $16,000 worth of cameras on a credit card and it just hasn't been invoiced out yet. So your credit this month may be garbage. And then, so and then invoice
1: my, pays out. My credit is a six thirty five <laughs> Equifax, six thirty seven TransUnion, and it wasn't like that till yeah. Now your personal so credit's tied we, to the business's operating credit card. We have a Capital One um, business credit card that yeah. we opened in October, mm-hmm. and at first, it was like, man, this is gonna be great. It was a thirty thousand dollar credit card. Uh, and the crazy thing is, at, um, uh, I think we use $28,000 every month of that credit card. Yeah. Now, that is the witness credit card. The Amex was moved over to Tulsa Security Storage, and that uh-huh. stays over there, and we don't mix the two. And that's the way we like it because the taxes like that too. Yeah. Tax audit people. Uh, but so, um, uh, Kate's credit went through the roof because that Amex card isn't getting used near as much. Yeah. And mine took a serious nosedive from a 750.
0: And and, and that's, kind of my point is that, you know, the SBA may be looking at a business owner's personal credit and it may not be great because just that month, it's, you know, invoice hasn't been paid and credit card hasn't been paid off or something like that. Right. And so it could vary from month to month. I mean, uh, a month and a half from now or two months from now, you could have a 750 and then and then it gets gonna go back
1: through no you
0: know but you know it it may go up and then it's gonna go it's gonna fluctuate a lot because you know there is no whenever it comes to even it's a business credit card or something along those lines business loans business accounts of any kind they all operate off of the personal credit of somebody who's either you know an owner or officer of the business so what happens so I'm kind <clears> of, <throat> yeah, uh, puberty. Uh, uh, I, I get the, the the I get the idea behind it, but I think it's just a bad. It's not a great. It's not a great method to determine the borrower's eligible or ability to pay back the loan. Off when you look at personal s- credit, off their credit. No, yeah, it's not a good. What what should be and, and there should and there may be a, an appeal process that you could go to the SBA and say, look, yeah, my credit's. Shot, but that's only because you only pull. You know, you pulled my credit a month after coronavirus shut me down, and my credit cards are maxed out right now.
1: Or just like us, because we do, we pay that credit card off every month. Yeah. Um, but because we pay that credit card off, but we also use twenty eight thousand of thirty thousand dollar credit card. Yeah. Every month. I mean. People, do, they, well, it depends they don't, on, they're not taking that into consideration. Well,
0: yeah, and also because the way that credit bureaus work is it depends on when you pay that off. You may just be catching it at the wrong uh, reporting cycle. And that what happens well. is it gets reported to the credit bureaus at $28,000 uh, balance. And then you pay it off, and then they're not seeing that because it's only reporting once a month to the credit bureaus. Right. And then you And then you go... And, you know, and then rack it back up by the time that the reporting cycle is back around again. So, you know, it, it, it'd be, and that could, that, so you've got that, um, uh, or you've got, you know, someone started a business and it, and it costs them a lot personally, um, to, but they may be running a successful business that makes plenty of money. So I don't know if there is some form of an appeals process or not that you could, you know, but also another thing is too, is if they, because when you applied for the EIDL, it took the, it took them a full month to pull my credit. So what have, what if you had great credit before the disaster hit, uh, before this pandemic and, and you, and then, yeah. So let's say you have the you have great credit and then because you've been shut down and you can't make any money, you rack you you know, you you rack up all of your credit cards to keep the business afloat in the process. You know, and then a month later they pull the credit and they're like, Oh, you know, your credits, you know, you're not great. Maybe they look back in the history and they're not taking into account the last month of, you know, of how your credits, you know, been going. I don't know. Um, but anyhow uh, what I was getting at is, they looked at mine. I'm in the final stages. They looked at my brother's, who is his number is somewhere in the neighborhood of like three hundred thousand on the application number. Yours is what? Do you say six hundred thousand?
1: Um, almost, almost seven hundred. Six hundred eighty-three
0: thousand. So you guys are you guys are getting looked at already? Um, with a basically, you're like a half a week to a week behind me. So they're they're getting there. Now, it, it, was this being handled fast enough to help anyone out of a disaster? No, not in the least bit. Because also, even me being as early of an application, you know, as as I was, still haven't seen the advance off of that. So <clears throat> there's that. Uh, you know, consideration uh, to think about. Even the PPP that took, you know, that was supposed to be an emergency funding measure, it still, businesses would have been in a tight spot uh, because it, it still took a while to get money into businesses' hands. And that was kind of the fastest way to get money into businesses' hands. So that's a big update on the EIDL and um, uh and the SBA and whatnot, I've got um, I've got a few things to go over after the break. So here's a word from our sponsor. Okay, and we're back. Uh, one thing to piggyback onto the EIDL, I would like to mention that <clears throat> we have yet to see, as of this recording, if uh, my brother who got a rejection letter... We'll see the advance because according to the CARES Act, they should still receive the EIDL advance regardless if the loan is approved or denied. So we'll know about that. I've yet to hear of anybody just yet if they've been denied and then still got the advance they're supposed to. So we'll, we'll see yeah. how that goes. Um, uh, moving on to some topics, we have a listener suggestion from a feller by the name of Keith Watts, he says, or he asks, With our children being our upcoming future, what skill sets would you see being useful in a society where labor is constantly changing with technological advances? <clears throat> That's his broad kind of general question, and I'll get into his, uh, he's kind of refined it into a couple of other uh, questions as well. Um, so... To touch on that idea, um, what skill sets would you see being useful in a society where labor is constantly changing with technological advances, I'll say this, I work in an extremely ever-changing technological world, industry, both of us do. Um, Mm -hmm. And probably yours more so than mine, Um, however mine, I've seen it. Um, I've seen it, I've seen uh, guys who are master mechanics in the old school world but failed to adapt to the new technologies on vehicles, and now they really can't work on anything newer than, like, 2000 model year. Really? Yeah. My my father-in-law is someone that I would consider to be a master mechanic if the vehicle has a maximum of one computer in it. But nowadays, like a car like yours, when I hook my, you know, diagnostics computer up to it, it takes a minute to read through all of them because there's, like, 17 computers on that thing. Um, on your, you know, 2019 Acadia, <clears throat> uh, well, what or 20, about my, 2017.
1: I was gonna say, I thought you were actually talking about my F 250. Your F 250 also has a, it's got a good amount of computers, there's a few it. computers in it, it's a four or five
0: or something like your Acadia has like a dozen computers or so. Um, and so it's, it's a technologically changing world. Even things that you think would be fundamental that would never change, like no one ever saw, really very few people saw electric power steering coming,
1: you well, know. Well, very few people saw that Tesla was going to come out with an uh-huh. completely powered. And that's a electrical. whole other
0: thing. I, you know, I talk about it. I talk about it. I've talked about it before that I think my business will be there and auto mechanics will still be around for my kids. But when it comes to like my grandkids, I don't know if it will be much of a thing. I think by the time my grandkids are at the working age, there may not be much use for mechanics anymore because it, it, here's the thing is, yes, Tesla's are going to ha- or electric cars are going to require work, but they require far less work. So there will sure. be a lesser, there'll be less people so, required. So
1: much so that their, uh, mechanic, <clears throat> um, service that they have running around is not using their own type of yeah, vehicle. Well, using so using a Ford.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's because Tesla doesn't have a vehicle yet that uh, can. They they don't have a. Uh, they don't have like a Sprinter vehicle or something that can hold a bunch of tools and stuff. Yeah. Once they come out with a,
1: a I think I'd go with an S, a Tesla SUV or something.
0: Yeah, it might would make the most sense. But <laughs> so, um, the. So, I, I work in an ever-changing technological world, and you know what skill set uh, is best suited for me that, that keeps me up to date with everything? And that, and, and that is my ability to learn. It, what, what, is, what is not yep. being taught as much in schools anymore is no one's being taught how to learn. Everyone's taught how to basically memorize uh, questions and answers to test. Because of state standardized testing, and because mm-hmm. test scores are kind of a big deal for public schools, that they're taught to take tests, they're not taught to learn, and that's something that I impart on my children all the time. I'm talking to them, you know, when they when they have a question, um, it's not always just give them the straight answer to that. Some a lot of the times, I will instead of give them the answer to the question that they have. I give them the path to the answer, you know what I'm saying so if my if my kids say um, uh, if my kids let's simplify this down to a really rudimentary question, but if my kids say um, if my kids say what's uh what's two plus two instead of saying four, I'll say, you know well, you know hold up two fingers okay that's two right so add a, take your other hand hold up two fingers how many is that four so you, you see what i'm saying instead of saying four i give them the path to the answer so it, it teaches it teaches a a um, critical thinking mm-hmm. to teach you to learn so that way so i don't have the answers to everything sure but i know how to find the answers to everything even outside of having access to google um, which actually um, as a short side note, uh, this weekend I was in, in the Ozarks in Arkansas and, um, <clears throat> my uncle, my uncle is getting ready to close on a house and we went to look at his house. And while we were there, we were looking at a well pump at, at his house and we were just trying to figure out issues with it. And I was like, <laughs> and so uh, we're, we're adjusting this pressure switch and I've had to in the past because I had, um, a well at, at my house in Virginia. So I know. Yeah, I knew kind of where to begin on it. And I, was, and I had said, because I had no cell service, I said, don't remember which direction I need to turn this knob, this, uh, this uh, bolt, in order to adjust the pressure in the direction I want it to go. If I had Google, I would have that in- answer instantly. But since I can't right now, I guess I'm just going to have to figure this out. And so I did. I looked at it in a critical way. And there are electrical contacts on there. And so I started turning it A direction. I wanted to make the contacts closer. And sure. you would think, you know, righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, but the reality was in this particular case, I needed to loosen it to make the contacts closer. And I looked at it. You know, I could see the gap in the, con- the electrical contacts. And as I tightened it, that gap grew larger. And so I said, okay, I need to loosen it. That's what I'm getting at whenever it comes to the ability to know how to learn. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't know the answer to that, and they don't—they're not going to teach that—that—that—that that, that, uh, that answer in schools. You can't cover every single question that life throws no. at you in school, even if—and it's not—not not necessarily a huge dig on public schools—and say that you know if you—if you go to you know that school can't teach you everything, and it—it's just a matter of fact. School cannot teach you every answer to all the questions that you'll have to answer in life. Right. So you need to know how to find the answer. Yeah,
1: and so so many things. I mean, we were actually having a conversation not too long ago about uh, kids being able to parrot things back. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it be as simple as they're in Awanas and, uh, which is a Bible kids pro or a kids Bible program. Um, Yeah, which the big thing is basically learning Bible verses. parroting Bible verses. Memorizing
0: Bible verses. Not learning them, memorizing them, basically. Yeah, And I will say, when I was a kid, I did do Awanas for a little while. And you know what I did? I would learn the memory verses of that week or that month or whatever to get my little patches and then memory dump it instantly when it was on to the next thing.
1: And, I mean, my daughter, uh, she... She does remember most of the verses, uh, but it's only a matter of time in those, uh, unless it's something that you're constantly working on, mm-hmm. you're not going to remember it. I mean, yeah, I, well, I, not... I know on, on average, as pastor will be <clears throat> uh, reciting a Bible verse there from the pulpit, on average, I will... Uh, think in my head and I'll I'll recite it back with him in my head. Obviously yeah. it would probably be weird if I said it out, out loud. loud during the service. Yeah. Like,
0: What's uh, wrong with this guy?
1: <clears throat> yeah. But um <laughs> uh, and and I've heard my wife do it as well, um uh, and whether whether she whispers it or whatever, but that's over years, thirty years and yeah. yeah what it is is you're just Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. and you spit or, it out.
0: Or, or it's been used in you know, it's been used in personal application before. Yeah. or you've read it, you know, with the hundred times. So sure. The the what what kids aren't going to get in schools public private whatever uh, these days because the, the climate seems to be and it's partially it's partially due to standardized state standardized testing is 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 not great another aspect we have <clears throat> is because people have instant access to information to the Google's to the Google's you don't have to and I and I've had I've had conversation with like a young person before well, and I, mean, I said you don't know this and they said well I can just Google it
1: exactly remember the um the you can't always math. just google it by the way <laughs> you remember the math uh, deal that was on c n n uh not too mm-hmm. long ago about Bloomberg uh, how much he spent on ads <clears throat> yeah, can't remember what how much it
0: was it was like a it was like a, i think it was like a hundred million and
1: they said, and someone said well have you just given it, he had spent three hundred million and uh, someone said, well, if you, he could have given a million to every person in, <laughs> in the, in the US. Yeah. And, um, uh, even myself, I was like, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I hadn't really thought about it much. Uh, I just was like, well, yeah. And I think I brought it up to you and Foster. And we were like, no, they get like a, dollar something not even a dollars like 88 cents everyone gets
0: 88 cents because
1: and the reason being that i just was like well yeah that makes perfect sense we had 350 i think it was 350 million people just about that uh voted in the last uh presidential election so i thought about it i was like yeah one million per Mm -hmm. no that's not (laughs) 300 millions It was less
0: than a dollar. Yeah, I think we spent an uncomfortable amount of time talking about it too. Like you were, you were like, "No, I, it's a, it's a million. I,
1: I, I did. I was like, "No." Wait And like, then we like break the math down. I did. Well, actually, uh, I did the math. I was like, "Tyler, you're an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, because too often, are and what's really funny is the fact that a see that. CNN host or whatever that pushed it out that said it it had to, it went past several people's ears and nobody it was an that. analyst That yeah. pushed that stupid thing
0: out and not only that not a single producer not a single editor said hang on a second
1: Maybe we shouldn't say paid, this these people make in the <sighs> millions. Yeah, and they pushed a stupid thing out like that so You know
0: So how do you the question is I guess how do you teach? how to learn to people, and and I don't know, I don't know for sure, I'm trying to think back, if I was taught how to learn, and I think I was. I think when I was in public school, so I homeschooled after like six, sixth grade, but I was in public school for the, basically all of elementary, and, and, and back then, I, standardized testing existed, but I had some really great teachers that... <laughs> You know there, uh, there's a few of them that really were they were they were teaching critical thinking, and they were they were teaching the idea that you need to know how to come to the and, and and that's where like showing your work, you know, in math they didn't want you to just write the answer down they wanted you to show the work so that way it wasn't just so that way you know that that. Uh, that they could be, you know, make it more difficult on you. It was so that way you could see, they could see that you were coming up with that answer by doing the math. And then it shows you, you know, it shows you as a student that it's not just the answer that you're coming to the conclusion to, it is how you got to the answer. And that was, that's extremely important so i know algebra right you know you think it, it you, you know you're learning algebra in school and like, when am i ever going to use this as a business owner you use it a lot um, in 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 finance you know and i not like complicated algebra but it's a good i say this i've said this many times that if this is my method whenever developing a either a business plan or changing something in the business you use basically an equation, an algebra equation. You say, okay, I want to offer this service, X service, right? Right. So I want to do this service or this product. The, how much should I charge for it? Okay. The question or the, the way you come up with that answer is, how much money do I need to make in order for this to be worth it? So here's the dollar amount that I need to make. And then you work your way back to where it's, you know, where you're charging for it. So then you, then you figure out, okay, well, if I need to make $20 every time I sell this thing and this thing costs me, you know, $5 or, or I want to make X amount of dollars a week. So you're like, okay, I want to make a hundred dollars a week. How many of these things do I, do I need to sell? what what on average do I think I'm going to sell these things so that how much do these things cost so in those numbers will get you what you need to charge and the answer may be that you need to charge thirty dollars per item because you're gonna sell five of them throughout the week and they cost you ten dollars to to sell right so you cost you so you got to make a profit of twenty dollars per times five equals a hundred this is a real simple example but it's a it is the these basic principles because it's impossible to cover every scenario every aspect in order for people to be able to adapt to an ever-changing market ever-changing technology but the very simplest of answers is to teach people how to learn Mm -hmm. not to teach them how to uh, write answers down you need to know how to learn so um I'll move on to another more specific question that he has in this uh, general broad scope, and it's, uh, what lines of education would make business operation and job creation better? So what education do you need in order to run a successful business? Um, That answer varies.
1: It varies a lot. In a lot of cases, I think part of it is work ethic, uh, because to become an entrepreneur, you have to be able to just stick it out. Yes, um uh, one thing But
0: work ethic alone doesn't get you to the finish line. I mean you could be the hardest doesn't. worker in the world, but if you're dumb as a box of rocks, that's that. Well,
1: I mean, yeah, but UPS was started by a kid.
0: Yeah. Well my point is and my point with that statement yeah. is that work ethic doesn't is not the only thing that gets you no. there. It is a huge helping of the recipe. Yeah. You know. If you're if you're creating a recipe of, you know, of what's a successful entrepreneur I would say that the ingredient of work ethic, you know, instead of measuring out in teaspoons, you're you're putting you're probably putting about a whole bag of that in that sure <laughs> in that recipe. So,
1: <clears throat> I mean, I I think work ethic is one of the biggest portions. It is, uh, and and that's and the only reason I say that is there are a mass of amount uh, of businesses out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say probably more businesses than not, that the uh, the entrepreneur that started it didn't actually have more than an eighth grade education. You know, to be honest with you, um,
0: I look at a lot of the successful businesses, and you look at a lot of them. The majority of them were either high school dropouts or college dropouts, or you know the best that they've got under their belts a high school diploma. I'm one of them uh, as well. Uh, I have a high school diploma. Keith is one of them. I mean,
1: he he has military. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and that and that's something. Um, I mean, but, to to uh, be a submariner, I don't know what it is when it comes to Marines, but I, I've heard Keith say this years or, or over the years many times over. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're in submarine to rank up. You have to be able to, um, you have to do an oral thing um, to where. <coughs> <laughs> Go figure, Navy. Goodness. You, you have to uh, take this. It's kind of a test. Goodness, Navy. Uh, where they talk about a an air bubble starting at one end of the ship and it goes through all these pipes and stuff to the other end of the ship. And you've got to be able to say how that air bubble traveled. A proficiency all the way. test. Yeah. And Keith said that that test, uh, just studying for that test, took him close to a month, two, three months. Just. Yeah. Uh, every time he wasn't in the. Yeah. Because uh, he was a uh, navigator. Mm-hmm. uh Once he when <clears throat> he wasn't in the navigation room working, and he wasn't sleeping, he was, uh, and he, I guess on the navy ship. When you're you're traveling, you don't get very much time to actually sleep. Mm-mm. And um, you actually sleep in, I think he said, three to five-hour shifts. Which, <clears throat> that right there alone, to mm-hmm. me, just, it boggles my mind. To only get naps, basically. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I'm not going to live on naps. Not for well, months at a time. So...
0: You know, I guess it is mildly disingenuous of me to say I only have a high school education cuz you know I did you know I did go to school for you know helicopter maintenance and
1: air crew and there again you probably have uh, proficiency tests that yes. you had to pass yeah. well
0: you know you had to you had to know every piece on the helicopter that's a lot of you know i used to joke around that you know i was going to go into the medical field and wanted to be a doctor but i didn't want to study anatomy and know every you know body part on the on a person and then and then so instead i went to the marine corps and had to learn every single piece on a helicopter <laughs> you know, on two separate type model series. So I, I had to learn. So after I learned one helicopter, I moved to the next one and had to learn it as well, I completely learn a whole new helicopter. Granted, the same, same manufacturer. So a lot of stuff transferred over, but that type of, you know, it is a lot of studying. There's a lot of, so, but that's not you know, I think, I think, and this is, you will see a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, it, there is a, there is a, there is something to note that a lot of them are veterans. And mm-hmm. I think, I think a lot of the reason, because a lot of veterans, they have work ethic um, and they typically are, a lot of times they're going to be a little bit smarter than the average bear, but they also have uh, a little bit of stubbornness to them to where, you know, oh, yeah. when the going gets tough, you know, you just keep working, you know, you push through it. And that's, it's not just work ethic. It's also, you know, being able to push through the hard times type of a deal. That's
1: where it's you a, see... It's a tenacity <clears throat> thing Yes, most people don't have. Entrepreneurs yeah. in general have a tenacity that yeah. most people so, don't have. So how do you teach this in children?
0: How do you teach... We You come to this, we're in this posi- this weird position because because of you know there's a, there's an adage um, uh, there is a saying that you know hard times make for um, uh, hard times make for uh, strong men and strong men make for soft uh, for uh, so easy times and easy times make soft
1: men so and, and that because that, of that 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 statement you just said uh last year and a half uh, what really bugs me is my daughter, she will say, I can't. Mm-hmm. And I have, and one thing that as kids grow, they they say that I can't do this, I can't do that. No, Marjorie, can't is not in your vocabulary. Yeah. You are not going to say can't. Because until you have tried, and until you have forced everything that you can do, you are not going to say the word can't. Yeah. And I mean, I I Unless didn't it, go in the military. Yeah. But I grew up in a military family. Yeah. And so dad was not going to allow us to just give up at the the earliest yeah. opportunity. So you get you
0: get into this weird scenario because you want to make life easier for your kids. Yeah. But you don't want to make them a bunch of pansies. Exactly. So you, know, you look at like, I look at like my parents, and then I look at their the generation above them, my grandparents. So my grandparents, they lived in a relatively tough time.
1: Your your grandparents are probably on the backside of the depression. I would guess. Yes,
0: my great grandmother, um, you know, she and her husband, my great grandfather, they, you know, and he was an entrepreneur. My great grandfather. He ran a business um, and he was always running some sort of a business and he, <clears throat> he had to make it, they had to make it through the great depression. My grandparents, you know, were kind of growing up in the, the tail end of that. And they're, and then, so my great grand or my grandparents, they're, they worked hard all their life. My grandfather was in the Navy and then he gets out and he, you know, my grandmother went to nursing school. They, they kind of, kind of pulled themselves up by the bootstraps type of people mm-hmm. to build a good income, a good life for their four children. <clears throat> and, 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 and allow them to be able to go to college because they didn't go to college or actually my grandfather did <clears throat> never once used his degree. Um, and, and my grandmother, you know, she went to nursing school, which is basically, you know, college. Um, and, um, so they worked as hard as they could to provide an easier life for their children and then their children, you know, because they came out of a really relatively tough time. And then my parent or my mom, and then my uncles, they, they grew up, they didn't really want for anything. They had they Everything. had the things that they needed. Yeah. And they went to, and then it goes on. Every generation, it becomes to the point where eventually someone is just too squishy, mm-hmm. you know. And so what do you do? You know, and I want to, you know, I grew up mildly economically, you know, strapped, uh, financially strapped. Um, and and so there are things that, you know, I, I've talked about it before, I think, that like we always had food and we always had a roof over our heads. But the toilet paper lacked sometimes. But occasionally, we wouldn't have <laughs> toilet paper for a day, you know. So we weren't like we weren't like you know poverty stricken, but we also didn't you know always have the finer things in life like toilet paper, you know. And uh, this COVID nineteen stuff brought me back to that, and, and I made a vow. And it seems silly, but I made a vow. Um, whenever whenever I was young, when I was a teenager, that I said my children will never go without toilet paper. Ever. It seems silly. It seems like a real silly thing, but that is... That's kind of my... my Like, whenever I'm thinking about finances and taking care of my children, they're always going to have toilet paper, by golly. And so... (laughs) And and financially, I was capable of providing that to them. But when this COVID nineteen stuff came around and took the toilet paper out of the stores, I was like, you know, no, not today, Corona, not today. <laughs> and so, we uh, we made it through. My my children never have never experienced a time in their life where there is no toilet paper in the household. Now, that's that's kind of my I guess what I'm getting at is that you know because I grew up you know because I was like you know what I'm gonna provide a better life for my children and that's where you know that's where I'm where I'm at they've never they never have never experienced us having the water shut off because the bill didn't get paid and, yeah. and they've never experienced the electricity not being there because the bill didn't get paid they've never experienced us getting evicted because we didn't pay the rent I've experienced those things now so I'm trying to make a life better Easier for them, but I will say this: all of those negative experiences, all of those tough times in my life, helped shape and develop my character. Yeah, they they made me the person that I am. So I want to make life easier and better for my children, but how do I make them have the same hard work ethic, and the same tenacity, and the same drive that I did to make them even better than me to become, you know, to get. To gain to gain a step hold in life, so you have to you have to unless they
1: endure the hardships that you did. Uh, there's it, a high, even even if even so if you tell them about it, like it's not going to translate. M- yeah. Like myself, I never went into the navy. Yeah. So you can tell me to your blue in the face about how the hardships that you had yeah. while you're in the military, but until I actually have to endure anything like that, I'm not going to know it really. Yeah. In, so, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not going to know really what you're talking No,
0: about. yeah, and, and and so it's kind of like, <clears throat> it's it's a conundrum, because you find yourself in every generation wants to make it better for the next generation, but on the other hand, what made the generation capable of making it better for the next generation was hard times. Hard times make for strong men, strong men make for easy times, easy times makes weak men, and or soft men, <clears throat> um, one way or the other. So... Uh lotion also does that too, you know <laughs> rough hands uh so it, that's the thing, so what do you do and my my solution has been you have to create artificial adversity, you have to create artificial hardship of sorts and, and that doesn't mean that you you know go outside, shut the water off, and be like, all right, kids, we don't have water for three days. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we're gonna pretend Daddy didn't pay the bill uh so <laughs> no 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 there are things like so when I was a kid I mowed the lawn and I mowed the lawn not because um, you know not because my parents wanted to teach me a work ethic type of thing but both of my parents worked they didn't have the time to mow the lawn and they didn't have the money either to pay someone to mow the lawn sure so I mowed the lawn it was a necessity I mowed mowed the lawn out of necessity Um, my kid My oldest son, he mows the lawn. Not because I don't have the money to um, mow the lawn. Not because because my wife is at home. She could mow the lawn. I'm not going to make her do that, though. In fact, it's it's a weird scenario. I pay someone to mow my yard, my front yard. The backyard, on the other hand, and the only reason I pay someone to mow my front yard is I don't want my 10-year-old to have to mow out front where I live unsupervised because he's again he's still a little too portable um, you know someone could just snatch him up <clears throat> All right um, so I' I pay someone to mow my front yard because I don't want to and then um, and then my backyard on the other hand I pay or I don't pay uh, I have my son mow the yard and, and it's not to and it's it, it's just it's a it teaches work ethic it teaches,
1: responsibility something that Liette actually just started which granted uh what i'm about to say n- you don't have to do this by any stretch but one thing that she just started with the three bo- her three boys mm-hmm. is uh if they help out doing any kind of chores uh, which the oldest is five and then the twins are going to be turning four here in uh Pretty of, soon, middle of June. Yeah, I was gonna say pretty um, soon because their s- twins are like a year younger than mine. Yeah, so they'll be turning four here in the middle of June, mm-hmm. and Ooh, uh, they, if they do chores, then they get. Now this is this is gonna really blow your mind. Five cents <laughs> for helping out with the chores. Mm-hmm. Now, five cents for anybody. That's nothing, mm-hmm. but in the on the flip side, five cents to them, that's a lot. Yeah, and now my daughter, whatever change I have in my pocket, and this is probably setting her up for failure in a lot of cases. I have uh, let her have the change. Yeah. But because Liette started doing that, I'm uh, I'm probably gonna start having her do the same. Well, so we actually do something
0: pretty similar. We've started uh, not that long ago. We they they already have had chores. They've been doing them for free though for the last several years. because um, uh, they you know. They feed the chickens. They, they they feed the rabbits. They give water to all the animals. They that's their that's the two older boys' chores, and then my son, my oldest son, mows the lawn, and he does the dishes, and he you know and he switches the laundry over and stuff like that. Uh, and these Small are not things. yeah these are not things like out of laziness. It it helps my wife out yes, but what it but what it also does is it the, the it teaches basic skills to somebody because. You know maybe he gets you know he gets married he has a wife and and that wife does those things but that doesn't mean that he shouldn't know how to do the laundry oh, yeah, or do the would. dishes and also maybe he doesn't get married immediately upon moving out of the house you don't want him to be living in a pigsty because he doesn't know how to do dishes you oh, know yeah so so it teaches those basic you know home x skills and, and this is so to to answer kind of the question what uh, what lines of education that education may not necessarily—it doesn't really fall into a—it doesn't really fall into to the responsibility of the schools. And I say this all the time: the responsibility to teach your, to raise your children to be, you know, functioning adults is the parents, regardless if they go to public school or they're homeschooled. Yeah. The responsibility is the parents. So don't expect the schools to teach them these things. Don't be like, oh, schools don't have home ec anymore, so kids aren't learning. No. Teach them at home. I, even if yeah, okay, both agree. parents work and the kids go to school, you still have time. You, you still, I don't care how many hours you work. I work. I, I've, there, I've there have been situations in my life where I've worked many hours. Not only that, I've worked hours away from home. I've 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 worked. I've spent five. You know, I'd spend five days or more at a time out on the road, and I still had time to work with my children and teach them skills. Mm-hmm. It, it it doesn't it doesn't mean. That you, the responsibility falls on the school that's teaching them. It falls on you at the end of the day. Your children, the way they turn out in society is your problem. Nobody Mm. else's. It's not mine. It's not the public schools. It's not, it's not the president's. Even though people would somehow like to blame Trump, it's not his fault. It is your fault. So you, you introduce them into, you know, kind of, uh, an artificial adversity, or you, you provide them a means to have to learn things, certain skills, and work ethic and responsibility. And guess what? If the chores don't get done, they get in trouble. You know, if they forget to do something, not only do they, they not get, in get trouble.
1: their their yeah, like Leah <clears throat> in her case, not only do they not get the the five cents per chore, but they're also going to probably get in trouble yeah. of, of some sort. Now some pa- parents do spanking, which mm-hmm. I 100% agree. Yeah, and then some parents they're they lean more towards uh, more progressive and grounding s- timeouts yeah, or whatever. Yeah, grounding and which those sit like one or whatever. there's
0: there's a time and a place for all of those. The thing yeah. is when when you can. So here's what what I've learned: once you figure out what what you know what really motivates your kids, you really have something to hold over their heads. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, my kids have gotten really into fishing lately, I, and I've done the best thing that I have. I, I accidentally discovered this because I downsized my tackle box to into to to be a little bit more portable into a backpack. So I realized I had this extra tackle. So I did something. I said, Matthew, I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna give you the head start to a tackle box. I give you some basic tackle. But if you, you're not you're not you're not using any of my lures anymore. You're not using any of my stuff. You use your tackle box. If you want to replenish or add to your tackle box after this, it's all on you. It's your responsibility. You have to buy it with your money. And,
1: so that's why he <clears> bought <throat> that lure. Uh, yeah. A couple days ago. Mhm.
0: Yeah, and so now he is laser focused on. In fact, he even because he discovered that his chore money is not enough to add to his tackle box enough um, because his he makes like eight bucks a month um it's, <laughs> it's yeah and that is a lure so he's gonna get a lure a month because you know lures cost like five six seven bucks you some of them can be eight bucks depend upon you know some of them can be more but you know it, so, is it? I, I so know. he has asked if he could come to work with me it'd be a mechanic assistant and get paid he's he's wanting to get a job so that he can in and, and so I found a you, you find something that motivates your child to want to do something to learn work ethic to learn responsibility and and Man, I found the the money ticket right here because he yeah. is super excited in, in fact, so has my second oldest son Noah has gotten to the point where now he wants To now before we go any further. How old is Noah and uh, Matthew so Matthew is 10 and Noah is 7
1: now, on average, most ten-year-olds and seven-year-olds—what are most ten and seven-year-olds doing? Not asking for, to get a job. Fortnite. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Not asking to get a job. Yeah, playing Fortnite on a uh, you know a, a video console, give video game console that their parents bought them. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And now, not only that but on average the same kids that have the fortnite and or whatever uh, the latest and greatest video game is mm-hmm. on average their grades also so, fail so you know to put it in
0: perspective basically i'm trying to recreate the hardship that i endured but without without but at the same time giving a better life to my children so i when i was young when I was Matthew, Matthew's age, I always had some form of a random scheme or job going on. I'd be mowing neighborhood lawns or washing cars. There was
1: one year that uh, we had the really bad snowstorm that mm-hmm. you and Aaron, my Me, brother, yeah, um, went instead
0: of th- instead of taking the opportunity to because you know um, uh, schools were canceled. Granted, we were homeschooled at the time. Um, but because we had lost power and we were at my, I didn't have to do school and neither did my brother or your brother. And so instead of just sitting around and enjoying the, you know, snow day, I say it's really an ice day. We had a bad storm. You know what we did? We grabbed some chainsaws and a wagon and went around cause we noticed people's driveways were blocked and we took, we saw an economic opportunity. And we went around and said, "Hey, we'll chop up that tree for you." And they said, "Well, how much?" Well, this one, I think we can do about forty-five bucks. And that's what we did. I think, uh, I think in one weekend we made like three hundred bucks a piece. We made like nine hundred dollars with a pair of chainsaws and a wagon and three
1: guys. There was and we were uh, teenagers. Whenever I was a kid, uh, there were, we had a really really bad snowstorm, and to the point where my dad actually had. Um, they canceled uh, jobs going mm-hmm. in, uh, installs, and he was working for some company. I can't remember who at the time, and so he walked around the neighborhood with us. Now, he actually had us with, and I don't really understand his, uh, w- didn't 100% understand his mindset whenever mm-hmm. I was a kid, but he said, we're going to do the, or we're going to shovel people's driveways. For donations only. And I'm going, dad, huh. dang it'll work. And it it worked all right. Uh, because it, rather than doing it for 20 bucks a piece, <clears throat> he was really trying to instill work ethic. Yeah. He did not want us kids. And you, you could say, I mean, my brother and my sister, or youngest sister, and Leah and I we we don't all don't hold jobs where they're really prominent you're more making a killing mm-hmm. but all four of us have never been without uh, well other than killing right now uh, because she's a bartender and yeah. uh but can't can't uh, go to work but uh, we've never been people that just sit on our butts because yeah. uh well we don't have now Actually, you know what? No, Kaylin. Even though, uh, the bartender or she can't bartend, she has actually found babysitting jobs yeah. for parents because and it's they've not... got to pay for a daycare or so, <laughs> so that they, they can go into work. Yeah, and uh, it's not. So... It's
0: not. Um, and in, and in, in I guess like what I was getting at when I was when I was my my son's age and I was doing th- these odds and ends, you know, mowing lawns. One uh one summer. Uh, Me and my brother and my cousin went around and we were painting, um, you know, how the street address is on the curbs. Mm -hmm. We got some stencils and some spray paint. We went around and started, you know, we'd say, hey, we'll, you know, freshen up your street address sign for, you know, five, ten bucks or whatever it was. We got got an angel investor. Uh, My aunt paid for the spray paint and the stencils up front. We had to pay her back after we got our first few jobs and then we paid for the supplies going on out. (laughs) It was... And this wasn't, you know, my parents would have like and this was mostly to fund hobbies or something. Like we we paid ball when we were yep. teenagers and that is an expensive sport. My parents never paid a dime for any of it. Same here. And it's not that my parents wouldn't have they probably would have had they had the money your parents didn't more out of a you know they they pr- honestly probably could have afforded to better than my parents but Possibly, they but, but it's more of a you know you know it's your hobby your thing you
1: pay for it yep well so no actually no my parents bought my brother his paintball gun, mm. but they never bought yeah. mine. and I bet he didn't treat his as nicely as you. No, he did not. That's
0: how That's how the, my first car, I paid for my first car, and uh, my parents bought my brother his first car. He didn't uh, treat it as nicely as I, <laughs> as I treated my cars. Anyhow, so, you know, we had these, you know, it's not that, uh, you know, my parents could not have given me the money to afford my hobbies that I wanted to do, whether it be I don't know, you know, collection, collector cards like Pokemon or whatever, you know, stupid thing was going on the trend that day. Or, you know, I, I played, you know, musical instruments, you know, if I wanted to buy a cool new foot switch for my guitar or a new amp for my guitar, I had to pay for it. And so I had to come up with something. So, you know, what you can do is, you, you know, you find, and this is helpful because it teaches entrepreneurship, it teaches work ethic. And it also teaches the value of a dollar, because if your parent, yeah. if your kids are just like, hey, I, you know, they're really into fishing. I want this fishing lure, and you just buy it for them. You, they, they may know. You could say this is a seven dollar, seven dollar lure. That doesn't mean as much to them, because Matthew, what he discovered is that a lure is a month's wages. So, so that's how, where he figured out the value. Of what that lure was and you know it's funny I heard him you know uh, Noah we we're fishing and Noah borrowed a lure of Matthew's and Matthew said or Noah wanted to use it Matthew said no you can't use this because I don't want you to get snagged and get lost because it, it takes it took it took me a month to afford this <laughs> so that is teaching the value you know you find if they are earning it even if you're giving them money just for chores or whatever they don't necessarily have to go invent a job like i was as a kid it's teaching them you know they they, if they want something to purchase something they know how long it takes to get that something Mm -hmm. and so it teaches kind of the value of a dollar which which again so that's extremely important educational steps that can be taken to but the, and, and the thing is is it 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 requires the effort of parents not not the schools schools 100%. are not responsible for educating your children you are so and yes you know maybe they're and they're supposed to be teaching your kids math or science or whatever but the reality is whatever gaps whatever things the school doesn't teach that responsibility falls on you so how do you do that as a parent you gotta you gotta think long and hard about it <clears throat> but the number one thing I think you can teach them is teach them how to learn and then you teach them work ethic and the value of a dollar and that's that That's gonna build, you know, a successful human being at some point or another um, We didn't get through all of Keith's questions And he even we mentioned get, that he didn't think we would in one in one episode and uh, we got plenty of podcasts Yeah, so uh, it is time to go my friends and also one quick thing before I Close this out um, uh, If anyone I've been trying to convince Tyler to go bass fishing and he's not a huge fan of fishing If you guys want to see Tyler, you gotta you gotta convince him to, to go fishing so I want I want messages. I want uh, text messages you know, emails, Facebook messages, something, you know, if, if, if y'all want, I can get, we can get him to go fishing and I can even make a YouTube video about it. And we, we could do that. <laughs> we do a YouTube video, a fishing video of Tyler bass fishing, um, because he doesn't, I think, I think he'd enjoy it, but we got to convince him. Uh, so let me, uh, let me know in the, in, uh, the Facebook messages, emails, things like that. If you guys want to see a fishing video with, uh, with Tyler being the, uh, uh, being, being along for the ride. So until next time, this has been the Making Cubs Podcast.